0: Welcome to Beyond Politics, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson. I just joined legendary West Virginia radio broadcaster Howard Monroe on his show to talk a little bit about 2024. Recently, he's perceived some softening in support for Donald Trump. And, of course, we've all seen a little bit of softening in support for Joe Biden. So his big question is, Has something fundamentally changed should we be looking ahead to perhaps a different matchup than we'd all been anticipating for 2024 and what should each party want we had a great conversation about it happy to bring it to you here and here's howard monroe
1: i want to talk now about something that's been on my mind for quite some time and to help me chat about this is our political analyst matt robeson matt good morning welcome to the show you had the beach last week did you
0: I actually did get away to the beach, and it was delightful.
1: I haven't been to the water for, for eight years. I just love it. What do you do on a beach vacation? You just, you just hang out? You, you and kids just kind of hang out and play in the water and read books and do nothing? Or do you try and make it an active vacation while you're away?
0: My kids are still young enough that it goes by the old saying that if you go somewhere with just you and your significant other, it's a vacation. If you go somewhere with your kids, it's a trip. It's a trip. And it's mostly dedicated to the kids having a good time.
1: But that doesn't mean that I don't, I don't occasionally sneak in a little bit of relaxation. Matt, there's something that I've been kicking around in my head for a while, and I've mentioned it a few times here on the air. I don't know. I lose track of time. Let's say six months ago, eight months ago, I would have probably said the 2024 presidential election. Is going to be a rematch of 2020 that we'll probably see Biden running again, and we'll probably see Trump as the Republican nominee. And I don't know, maybe that is still the betting money. But recent poll came out of Democrats, a lot of Democrats, more than half said they'd like someone else to run other than Biden. Has somewhat the same problem. Poll came out said uh, more than half the de- Republicans are going. They kind of like to find someone else. And it seems to me, and I want to bounce this off you and get your take on it, it seems to me that Trump is losing a little bit of his luster. Now, before I get text, I don't mean that he's still not the dominant figure, but I think he's beginning to lose some of his shine. Am I, am I just optimistic or am I right?
0: Well, there are some signs, but I'm, I'm very cautious about looking at them, and this is going to sound like I'm going to wimp out on you here. But I, I do think it's a little too soon to tell because I could make you a case either way that he's losing his luster. I have some numbers for you and I could, I could make a case. I could also make a case of not really. So it's, I, I mean, I, we can lay it out. I, I'm happy to get into it. We could lay it out and, and you
1: can decide.
0: I'll tell you what, let's do it that way. You tell me what you think after we kind of go through it.
1: Well, tell me what the salient facts are that you think are important to take a look at. All right. Well,
0: there's two sets of numbers that political analysts and media tend to look at. And and campaign professionals look at these, too, although they tend to look more at kind of inside numbers than, than outside numbers. But you can look at polling and you can look at fundraising. So the fundraising story does show some softening for Donald Trump. His online fundraising for all of his political committees has been slowing. It's been consistently slowing. It's fallen in seven of the last nine months, and the two months that are outliers just showed little tiny blips up, whereas the rest of the Republican Party has had consistent fundraising growth. Now, that's consistent with where we are in the political cycle. You expect that fundraising will increase across the party as you get closer to the election and people pay more and more attention, get focused in on the races. But what you've seen is Donald Trump's fundraising go down. He raised about $18 million between April and June, and that's about $2 million less than in the prior three months. So that's that's one set of numbers is, is fundraising. The other thing you can look at Is polling, and probably there have been a number of polls that tell a little bit of a a story here. You, but I'd I'd say the the major one that most people have talked about is the one from the New York Times and Santa College, which shows that nearly half of primary voters, these are these are Republican voters, are looking for someone else for president in twenty twenty four. So that's That's a little bit of a soft spot there. You don't, you don't typically like to see that for say an incumbent president who's looking for running again. Now we can talk about Biden on that score. So I look at those numbers and I say, okay, I can squint and tell a little bit of a story there, but I can also squint and say, "Mm, not, not so much because I, I gave you the specific number for a reason, right? His fundraising has been slowing. He raised $18 million over the three months from April to June to be raised about $20 million the prior three months. That's still a significant fundraising number. He's still bringing in a tremendous amount of money for a guy who's not on the ballot. And the rest of the party is going overboard to try to raise money for their candidates that are actually on the ballot. And Donald Trump is barely losing steam. So that's I, that, that doesn't necessarily scream to me, a guy who's falling off a cliff politically. And then you look at the polling numbers and you say, Donald Trump still has a two-to-one advantage over his nearest competitor, who's Ron DeSantis. He's still up in that New York Times-Siena College poll, 49%. To 25%. And that is a pretty strong advantage, especially for a guy who has a consistent core of support that is unlikely to be going anywhere. And so, again, I could squint back the other way and I could say, well, he also has a massive name identification advantage at this point. About a quarter of Republican primary voters haven't even heard of Ron DeSantis enough to happen to bring it. So, you could kind of say, well, it's so early. If they actually got into a race, if they actually got into a primary, you would expect that gap to close. But I guess in the final analysis, what I would say is on balance, yes, there's probably a little bit of softening going on here. But would I look at this if I worked for Donald Trump? Oh, perish the thought. If I worked for Donald Trump <laughs> and I had to go to him and say in his preferred phrasing, sir. You're not gonna win. I, I wouldn't take this set of indications and say, sir, you're out of this game. He's he's very much in this game and in a very, very strong position.
1: Well, my argument certainly is not that there is a precipitous drop, but that there is a noticeable decline. And again, I'm not suggesting he's not still the big gorilla on the on the field. But it does seem to me, fundraising down, again, it's, I sense within the Republican Party a restlessness, a, boy, I wish we, and maybe this is the critical point, I wish we had somebody else, but I don't see a lot of somebody else's out there that I think are probably willing to challenge him if he runs. Ron DeSantis, maybe, he is clearly the top, he's clearly the top second choice. But you go down below DeSantis and you're, you're down to single digits in that New York Times poll. There's not a lot of other people out there on the Republican Party. I mean, there are names we could throw out. We could throw out Ted Cruz. We could throw out different names. But I don't know if there's anybody out there really who is poised to challenge him, which I don't know. Does, does that open the door up, Matt? If, if Trump is not invincible, and maybe that's the point I'm trying to say. I think he's strong but not invincible. If Trump is not invincible then is there room for fresh voices, newcomers, people we haven't thought of before to come out and make a challenge?
0: There's room. There's, there's definitely room. You can see the, the indication that's probably the strongest is the Fox News primary. They've been playing significant footsie with Ron DeSantis recently. Uh, the, the number of puff pieces. I mean, if I were Ron DeSantis, even I would be blushing, and the man has no shame. So <laughs> I, I, I would, I would be beat red right now by the love that's being lavished on me by Fox News. You, you definitely see a wave of this happening across the Republican punditocracy. That they're, they're, they're kind of test driving a DeSantis to see how it feels, and they're, they're kind of, they're lavishing praise on him. I mean, even Andrew Sullivan, who is a Trump critic, he's a longtime conservative columnist and commentator, did this. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, man crush article. Actually, he's gay, so it's like uh, that. That probably that doesn't sound quite right. He he did he did a <laughs> lavishly glowing Ron DeSantis defense article two weeks ago just out of nowhere. Well, why would he do that? What what's why is the house on fire to Provide a, a defense of the, of the DeSantis record. Sort of a pre of any criticisms. Why, why do we need to do that right now? Well, it's because the National Republican Party is sort of test driving him as he's all the stuff you like without the Trump baggage. Isn't he great? And there, it's a trial balloon. So yeah, he's a possibility. I would also keep an eye on Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley has mm. Successfully walked that fine line between praising Trump, separating from him at, at, at critical moments. She's a very, and I mean this politically, she's a very attractive candidate. She, she has some foreign policy credentials. She has some domestic leadership credentials as the former governor. And it would present a, a challenge. It would scramble some of the politics of, for the Democrats to face a female Republican standard-bearer. So there, there are some intriguing options out there.
1: You, you mentioned something which I think is another sign that maybe Trump is, is having a little bit of, of difficulty. Uh, several of Rupert Murdoch's properties have, I won't say, turned against him, although one of them clearly has. New York Post published a piece a couple weeks ago, which is a Rupert Murdoch property, basically saying, not basically saying, literally saying, that Donald Trump is unelectable and should not be the nominee. The Wall Street Journal has editorialized against Trump. And Fox News, interestingly enough, has not been carrying a lot of his rallies the way he used to. It seems as if the Rupert Murdoch companies are not, as they were when Roger Ailes was running things, it seems as if they're not wholly behind Donald Trump the way they used to be. He can't count on that as his... Bedrock media, media outlets. And I think those things are, are, are something that Trump has got to look at if he doesn't, if he's losing those kinds of support.
0: Oh, Howard Monroe, you sly political dog. You, you just pulled a Henry Fonda. Now I'm about to lose our younger listeners here, but the classic movie, 12 angry men, Henry Fonda plays the protagonist. He's on a jury and he has a critical piece of evidence that's going, uh, while they're all arguing about the guilt or innocence of the, the guy on trial, he has a knife that shows that maybe the prosecution's case is weak, but he keeps it in his pocket and then dramatically brings it out and slams it down on the table. You just pulled a Henry Fonda because you just picked the very best piece of evidence and the most important thing in my mind to watch, and you held it. You held it until this far into our conversation and you slammed it down on the table. Well done. I completely agree with you that this is, I referred earlier to the Fox News primary. This is, in my mind, a very, very important thing to watch. And actually, if you dig down into that New York Times polling that I was referencing a moment ago, what you see is that even though Donald Trump's overall lead over Ron DeSantis in a hypothetical primary matchup is 49% to 25%. His lead is 62% to 26% among Fox News viewers. Uh, uh, Among people who don't watch Fox News so much, the gap is only 16 points. So it's a massive advantage that he has among Fox News viewers. And that goes to show, that's one of the many metrics that we have available that shows the immense value that Donald Trump has gotten in what political circles is called earned media, right? He has gotten media he hasn't had to pay for, and he has gotten effusive praise over the years, massive support from from Rupert Murdoch-owned properties. The fact that the New York Post and the Wall Street Journal, two of the most prominent outlets, owned by Mr. Murdoch, that they have uh, opined against Donald Trump in recent days. And after the dramatic January 6th committee hearings last Thursday, they both came out and said that those th- th- that set of testimony was damning, absolutely damning that he sat by as the attack was unfolding and did nothing to try to save his vice president, who is in mortal peril, let alone the U.S. Congress, the, the seat of our government. So the fact that you see these Rupert Murdoch outlets turning and they're beginning to try to put a shine on Ron DeSantis, that would be a big deal because losing that source of support would be a body blow, not an unrecoverable one, but a body blow to Donald Trump. So totally agree with you. You kept the knife in your pocket. You've slammed it out. That is the signal that I think we should be watching very,
1: very closely. In the coming month. And yeah, we are talking with Matt Robis, political consultant, our analyst here, one-time campaign consultant and congressional staffer, now a blogger, a talk show host, and again an analyst for for us on these things. Writes for a number of different online magazines, Newsweek and the editorial board, and some other things. And it's always good to talk to Matt because I like to pick his brains. He's got a pretty sharp political thought on things. Talking about 2024 presidential election. And some folks say, yeah, it's going to be Trump and Biden. But I'm beginning to wonder if that's the case. We spent some time talking about why there may be some questions about Trump's invulnerability. Let's talk about the other side of the coin, Matt. Let's go to the Democrats. Biden himself has got some problems. It would be logical to expect the incumbent Democrat president to run for reelection, election But some of his own party aren't happy with him.
0: That is totally true. We have some... Polling support for that. We were talking before about I'm just going to keep picking on this New York Times Siena poll, but the results you see in other polling are pretty similar. It shows that about two thirds, 64 percent of Democratic voters say that they'd prefer someone else other than Joe Biden to head the ticket, head the party in 2024. And of course, we all know about presidential approval rating, his in various polls. Somewhere in that, in, that, in the Times polls as well as 33 percent, and some other polls, it's as high as 39 percent. It's somewhere in that really bad low territory. Although, I just want to caution listeners that presidential approval rating is, in my mind, the least valuable indicator we have on, on a number of fronts. It. it For one thing, it's not terribly predictive historically of how each party will do in midterm elections. It's much better to look at polling on the generic ballot, which is just asking people which party they'd prefer to vote for without naming any specific candidates. And on that measure, the parties are now actually tied. Democrats have been trending in the right direction. They've gotten about two points better in the last couple months. And so it's, it's, it's not necessarily the case that Joe Biden is, is weak in an electoral sense, but I think we can say for sure that voters are very unhappy and that part of the reason that President Biden's approval rating is so low is that voters includes Democrats. And unlike during Donald Trump's term where he had ultra-low approval ratings, but they were kept around that 40% level because Republicans were, were still almost uniformly for him. Democrats feel totally free to tell pollsters, now we're unhappy with everything right now, and that includes our
1: president. AP poll that came out not too long ago, 83% of American adults say the country is on the wrong track. Only 36% in this poll approve of Biden's leadership. 62% disapprove his leadership. And the point that I made earlier, and you're just making with the other poll, the January AP poll found only 28% of everyone and 48% of Democrats say they want Biden to run for re-election. The New York Times poll has an even greater number of people not wanting him to run for re-election. So you've got some real questions being raised about Biden's viability in his own party. But then I would ask you, as I did about Trump, if not Biden, who?
0: Well, alright, this is where I think we have to think about this. I think we have to think about this carefully because we could have a grass is always greener problem here. Let's think about what problem we're trying to solve here. Of course, Democrats want to win. The presidency in 2024, regardless of who they're running against. That's the goal of a political party to win elections. But it's a, it's a very different discussion, even if it is Ron DeSantis, because I don't think that Ron DeSantis being elected president in 2024 would necessarily mean the beginning of a civil war and the end of American democracy there is a very strong case to make that you and I have discussed on this show before that I've written about for Newsweek that many other analysts have written about that we face an incredibly high risk of a civil war and the end of American democracy if Donald Trump is elected. So we just, we need to separate that a little bit. And so the reason I bring that up is that one of the things you see in polling right now. You rattled off some numbers about how weak Joe Biden is. I rattled off some numbers. And yet, in that New York Times poll, Biden beats Trump right now, 44 to 41. And so, if Donald Trump is the Republican nominee in 2024, there is a strong case for saying, look, we've seen this movie before and we liked it the first time we might our best bet might be to run things back with joe biden again we we've done it successfully once we we could do it successfully again the problem we run into as a party is that there are only two basic messages in campaigns if you look at every political campaign and you watch campaign ads which no human being should be forced to do but if you watch campaign ads the other
1: ads, guy it, sucks the one message is the other guy sucks Oh, I was going with something a little different. I mean, that's always true. Yes, you're right about that.
0: But there's only two basic messages that campaigns run. Let's stay the course or it's time for a change. And what you don't want to do most of the time, most of the time, it's like a rock, paper, scissors thing. You don't want to be running an let's stay the course campaign if you're up against time for a change. So if it's Biden up against, let's say, DeSantis or Nikki Haley, then we'd be running, hey, let's stay the course. And they would be running, it's time for a change. And like rock, paper, scissors, you don't want to be bringing paper if they're bringing scissors. Because that kind of change message, when voters are telling us they're so unhappy with the status quo, regardless of how they feel about Joe Biden, how you interpret that, they're so unhappy right now with the way things are going. That would be a losing proposition in my mind. So that's all a long way of saying, if it's Donald Trump, I think there's a relatively strong or at least stronger case to say, no, no, no. Our best move is to stick with Joe Biden.
1: If it's someone else on the Republican
0: side, then we need to probably come with someone else as
1: well. Let me ask you this question then. Trump and Biden... Is Trump going into 2024 going to be stronger or weaker than he was in 2020? And here's my thought process. At going into 2020, we had just gone through the crazy world. Yeah, and people remember all the craziness that Donald Trump gave, and that's why Biden it was like, please just get us out of here. You're reasonable, you're acceptable. We can't have any more of the crazy. But by 2024, some of that crazy stuff may have faded away from people's memories. But the flip side of it is, as a result of the January 6th hearing, some some pretty negative stuff may be sticking to him. So is Trump stronger or weaker going into 2024?
0: I think he's unquestionably weaker. I think it will be the job of every single Democratic consultant and campaign operative of any stripe, to remind voters just how much of the crazy we live through, and they will make it their number one mission to be sure that voters have that front and center, if it is Biden-Trump again. So it's true memories fade, and the Democratic challenge will be to make sure that they they don't. I So, yes, I think Trump is unquestionably weaker. What's hard is to tell what position would Biden be in, and that we don't
1: know. All right. All right, Matt, always good talking to you, my friend. People can check out your podcast, the Great Ideas podcast and the Beyond Politics podcast. People can find them wherever podcasts are available. And and look for you on Newsweek and the editorial board and some other great online resources where you do some writing for. Thanks for joining me today. Talk to you again soon.
0: Thanks, Howard. Thanks again for listening to Beyond Politics. And as Howard was saying, you can check out all of our podcasts and subscribe to Beyond Politics Great Ideas and Capital Close-Up wherever you get your podcasts. Please do leave us a rating and review. It really does help us out.